Hi, my name is Susan. I've been arrested 32 times just for listening to people talk with each other. The problem was I used to hide in the bushes outside the windows of people's homes to enjoy listening to strangers talk to each other. It's just something I like to do. I get bored and lonely sometimes, you know. Hey, Susan, don't do all that. There's another way to enjoy random conversations? Now, thanks to the podcast show, I can enjoy listening to conversations with strangers and learn something new every week. No more listening outside the window just to enjoy a good conversation. Tune in weekly on Wednesdays and subscribe for updates on your favorite platform to the Toddcast show and help our podcast family continue to grow and share around the world. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Toddcast show. My name is Todd Murat, your host, and I'm so excited to be here with all of you. The Toddcast show is dedicated to exploring the human condition through conversation with strangers. We explore the positive, interesting, and oftentimes shocking side of human nature. In each episode of the Toddcast show, I talk with strangers in a down-to-earth, old-school, and heartfelt way about their life. Nothing is ever scripted, everything is spontaneous, positive, and we never discuss politics. You won't know what to expect next. Join in the conversation to laugh, love, learn, and grow with others around the planet. Who will I call next? Tune in to find out every Wednesday at midnight Pacific or for playback anytime on your favorite podcast listening platform. And stay connected with us at ToddCastShow.com. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Toddcast Show. I'm your host, Todd Mura, and we're joined today by our guest, Robert Brill. Good morning, Robert. How are you? Hey, Todd. Doing well. How are you? Doing great, man. And where are you calling from today? Uh, Los Angeles. Really? Yep. Wow. You sound so cheerful for that. <laughs> um, I uh, I woke up early-ish, and I had lots of coffee, so um, yeah. it's good. I, I feel good because I'm I'm producing, I'm con- I'm creating content, and um, I really like that. It feels like I'm moving things forward in a really good way. Yeah, dude, that's cool. I was kind of alluding to the traffic nightmare that Los Angeles is so known for. I used to live in Southern California, and wow, yeah, L.A. is a crazy place, man. <laughs> yeah, you know, um, I I don't leave the house very often. Um, Fair enough. I'm not even joking about that. Like, I really have everything I need here. I'm, I'm working from my garage, but it's set up like a studio. Um, I conduct all my business from here. I got a cool background and whatnot. And, um, when I started my business, uh, in 2013, I, I said to myself, I do not want to, um, deal with traffic because my, my drive was like an hour 15, hour 30, depending on the day one way. And I was like, I don't want to do this. I'd rather work. Oh, sure. Yeah. I haven't stepped into an office in over 20 years, man. I've been working at home for 20 years. Nice. And, uh, yeah, I don't like going any place either unless I have to or really want to. <laughs> exactly. And I ended up in Las Vegas or Henderson, actually, but it's really close to Vegas. And, boy, I'll tell you, they, I, you know, I've heard this from several people, and I think it's true. First of all, the, the state 
uh, flag and symbol for Nevada should be a traffic cone. Ah. Uh, they have more construction going on here than I've ever seen in the culmination of my entire life. And then also they, they seem to have taken all the worst drivers from every other state in the union and brought them right here. Uh, that's funny. That's funny. Every day is a Sunday. Yeah. Yeah, it's an interesting place to be. There's ways to get around it for the most part, but like, it's crazy. Like, uh, I don't know what they're thinking, but like, they literally close down the freeway at night and uh, limit it to like one lane, but there's nobody doing anything. You know, it's ah. like there's just a bunch of guys standing around doing nothing. And then the other giggle that I get is uh, the traffic cones that they move. So let's say that there's a four lane, you know, two lanes each way they'll have one of the lanes blocked off and just for shits and giggles, uh, they move the cones over. So the other lane is blocked off, but nothing ever happens. It's like, I've never seen anything like it. It's really unusual. <laughs> That's amazing. But it's okay. I'll take it over LA. I think LA would make me want to pull the little bit of hair out that I have and <laughs> all that, you know, it was bad enough in Orange County and San Diego, but yeah, it's, that's the place where all the action is, man. Like, uh, it's kind of exciting in a way though. I'm, I'm sure there's a part of it that's a lot of fun. It is. I mean, um, you know, when I was younger, I, I had a really great job when I was younger and I, and I say that because it was the type of job where in the first two months of working there, I was working at an ad agency. The first two months, we got to go to Spago twice. Nice. I was barely making much, uh, but I was like, man, this is this is the best. I, I get to eat out in really fancy places. Exactly, exactly. And you never know who you're going to see walking around there. Like, I mean, that's the other fun thing. It's like, you know, if you're into celebrities and music artists and stuff, they're all over that place. You know, yeah, it's nice. It's casual. I was actually just in New York and I saw, you know, I'm surprised at how many people I see in New York. Uh, I don't remember the actor's name, uh, lady, but, um, yeah, it's surprising how many, how casually, uh, we see people, uh, who are actors and, and known yeah, people. Totally. And uh, although we love them and put them on a pedestal, typically they're just people like we are. And, you know, that's the other thing. I've always liked the idea of meeting people like that to find out who they really are and out of all the characters that they play and different personas they portray, you know, my curiosity is always, who is the real person behind that? You know, I'm fascinated by that part of it. Totally. Yeah. Very cool. So let's get, uh, let's get to your childhood. Um, what I'd like to do is kind of take a walk through your life and find out how you came to be who you are and how you discovered what you do as a passion and all that good stuff. Uh, where were you born? Yeah, I was born here in Los Angeles, and uh, wow. yeah, I've lived here all my life except for. Well, actually, that's that's actually incorrect. I lived. Uh, my parents uh, traveled to uh, Greece uh, when I was I don't know, must have been three or four. So we were there for a couple of years, but beyond that, lived in LA all my life, with the exception of a year and a half in New York, which was great. And um, you know, as a as a teenager, I really didn't. I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't discover what I was going to do. I didn't figure, figure things out. I didn't have like the hobbies. I, I think, um, I, I probably would have been expected to have, like, I just, I just didn't find my footing. And, um, as my wife said, she says, you know, you were just waiting for the internet to come around. And, um, we got a computer back in, uh, 94, which felt late at the time, <laughs> which 
sounds so silly, but uh, it felt late. And um, I think it was 94. It might've been later, 95. And uh, that's, that's when I discovered like my calling. Didn't know what yet, but I really knew that having a computer and having access to the internet was magical. Awesome. And we're going to get to that calling here in a little bit. I, I want to start really early and kind of understand what happened in your life, if that's all right. Yeah. Awesome. So did you grow up with siblings? Uh, No, no siblings. Wow, just you, huh? Only child. That's cool, man. And are your parents still with us? Uh, My mom. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Very cool. And what was childhood like for you? Like, uh, what was it like growing up in LA? Uh, it was good. Um, I think, you know, we grew up in Glendale, had, you know, had a few friends and, and enjoyed living there. I don't know. It was fine. It was nothing remarkable in any uh, meaningful way, I would say. Were you a good kid or a bad kid? Definitely good. Awesome. Good for you, man. I got good grades. Yeah, I had good grades. You know what one of the one of the things I figured out I, I saw the trend in my life. In uh <laughs> elementary school it was fine. I you know, I remember I remember the the, the few the few mess ups that I had. Uh I remember those. Um but what I noticed high school, first semester, I got straight A's. And then second semester I think I got like an A minus, but everything huh. else A's. First year of college, same thing, straight A's, and then slowly a slow decline. The goal here was to mitigate the decline. Okay. Yeah, totally, totally. Yeah. Like, yeah. Sorry. And then when I started working, it was the same. There were no grades, certainly, but there was like the 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 the, the throughput, the production, the attention. It was the same thing. Like I gotta find my footing. So every phase of my career or my learning chapters of my life were started out with really really foundational gotta figure it out totally understand that do you think that you had an advantage or disadvantage as an only child um i think there i think it's both i think as an only child <laughs> um you know having the love and attention from the from the parents was great like having having the attention but the downside is uh don't really know how to share as effectively as as kids with siblings have mm. and i think having you know opportunities to experience life with a close friend um would would have been a benefit with a sibling but none of that is really guaranteed like you never know how sibling relationships could be so i would say that you know i'm i i wouldn't change a thing i'm happy with the way things turned out that's awesome and um just reaching back out of curiosity what would you say would be some of the things that you learned from each of your parents as a young person to help you know shape you into the person that you are oh man that's crazy um so <laughs> uh, my goal is to catch you off guard, but also engage in something that nobody else is going to ask you. <laughs> no one is asking me that. So, you know, I think from my dad, I got, I got this, I got this zeal for working hard, for 
putting just, I don't want to be caught off guard. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't want to be in a position where I don't know something and I want to, I want to have the answers. I want to be prepared and I want to keep myself in the game. And I got that from my dad, my mom. So it's my mom. It's almost like the same thing. It's like work hard, but with a different perspective, the different perspective is, you know, keep, keep myself. How should I put this? I went to school, get educated, do something where I can have some skills to be effective and valuable in, in, in the sort of like employment marketplace. Mm -hmm. Um, both my parents instilled in me, like, you got to go to school. Like I didn't, you know, it's like, like there was no native, like, um, obvious passion that I had growing up. So it was not like, okay, man, you're going to be an artist or you're going to be a writer or you're like great in math, which I'm not bad at math, but I'm just like nothing special. Right. So right. went to school for business. Uh, and it's like, yeah, you go, people go to school for business. That was kind of like the joke. I went to Cal State Northridge. That was the joke. The joke was have a, you know, get a degree in something that you'll figure out what to do with it later. That was, you know, it's like the people who don't know what they want to do, get a degree in business. Um, and so from both my parents, it was like, work hard, you know, don't get caught off guard from my dad's perspective. And my mom's perspective was just keep at it, keep doing things, keep yourself in the game and be sort of valuable in the marketplace. Mm -hmm. Very good. Very good. Any challenges along the way growing up and, uh, you know, on into adulthood and all that, that kind of shook you or, uh, you know, kind of made you think like, am I on the right track? Yeah. I mean, there was a, there was a moment when I had a conversation with my dad, I had like kind of messed up on my grades at some point in high school or I don't know, whatever. And he was like, you know, like if you're not, <laughs> you know, if you're not, if you're not going to pay attention to this, well, at least you have some fillbacks. And he was like, he, he was giving me some ideas on, on the type of work I could do. And I was like, oof. Like, I think he was playing a game with me because he knew and I knew that I was not capable of doing that work. And the work was like, and I could work with my hands. Like, I don't know anything. I don't know how to hold a hammer. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, I don't have the, I don't, I'm not the type of person to take things apart and put them back together. So that was like, all right, if you don't do good in school, you could, you know, do, do things that, you know, pay well, but you have no idea how to do it with the idea of like, it's much easier for me with my skill set to go to school and be effective at school and be a white collar guy than to be a blue collar guy. Cause I don't know how to fix anything. You give me a hammer, I'm going to break something, mm -hmm. you know? And, and so as a result of, of that, it really got me into, into like the right headspace of, man, I better not mess this up. Like, cause otherwise I am SOL in terms of what, a, how we'll be able to actually make a living. If I don't figure out how to like do white collar stuff, uh, I'm not going to be able to be effective as a mechanic or as a person who, um, like fixes air conditioners or something like that, which are all great jobs. <laughs> mm -hmm. You know, if you know what you're doing and don't kill yourself by crossing the wrong wires. <laughs> yeah, legit. Like that's, you know, I, I probably wouldn't exist today if I, if I was forced to, like if that was my only option. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. And uh, at what point along the way did you discover where you wanted to be and, and kind of started pursuing that goal in your profession? Yeah, I had, an, I had a paid internship in college working for these two guys. One of them was in New York. One of them was in L.A. 
I was working out of one of the guys in LA, his home, and he taught me about what advertising is. And he's like, you know, you can do creative stuff. You can buy advertising space. You can do the account management and strategy. I was like, all right, cool. So, and then like three more years passed and I got fi finally graduated from school. I was like, I want to be a digital media buyer, which is such a very like specific thing to want to be coming out of school. Right. And so I got really lucky in that what I got lucky with, you know, going back to the formative years is that I got lucky that I had to work. So I think, you know, this is a conversation I had a lot over the last, over the first decade of my career. And I kind of forgot about it is, you know, there's, there's some people who are, come from families that have enough money where you don't have to work during college, which sounds great. Go to college, do whatever you want to do, whether it's party hard or study hard or take up passions and hobbies or figure out when you're going to go get your master's degree or your PhD or whatever you want to do with your life. Um, I didn't have that option. I had to work. If I, if I didn't work, I would have had to drop out of college. Me too. And it's like, yeah. But the the big, you know, at the moment, at the time, I kind of felt a little sorry for myself. But what I realized looking back is that accelerated my career by four, four years. Not because I was doing anything particularly momentous while I was working. I had uh, just various jobs. I worked at Universal Studios for a while. I did college outreach for a while. I worked at Cold Sun Creamery for a while. We worked in a real estate office, um, worked for some value added reseller of like manufacturing software, like very, also very random. And I realized what I like to do and what I don't like to do professionally. And so just by happenstance, getting, getting into that advertising, um, internship paid, it, it created the framework for what I want to do. So like for the next following few years, I had an idea in the back of my head, oh, I could work in advertising. That sounds like fun. I could probably do that. Mm -hmm. So when I got out of school and I had another internship at Universal Music, which reinforced my idea that like professionally marketing is a good space for me. And so when I got out of school, I interviewed and it seemed like forever, but you know, I got a job two weeks out of college at one of the largest multinational advertising agencies in the world, Universal McCann. Nice. Working on Sony Pictures. Very cool. And I was like, this is great. But I wouldn't have known, there's a good chance I wouldn't have gotten that job and I wouldn't have known to even look for that type of job had I not had four years of, you know, these other jobs that I could cross off the list and say, no, I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. Yeah. That and also developing work ethic is also, I think, really important in that dynamic. hundred percent. Yeah, man. That's beautiful. Um, so how would you personally define success? Like on a personal and professional level, how do you quantify what success is? Uh, success to me is freedom of time. It's like, absolutely. Just what can I do what I want to do? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And managing your time and having the flexibility. So it really comes down to owning your own business, right? 
Yeah, but even that, owning owning my business doesn't mean freedom of time. Like it could be, it might be, but it doesn't necessarily guarantee it, right? Because owning a business means I've never worked. So it means never. I've never worked harder than when I've had my business. I've never worked more hours than 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 getting my business off the ground, and even ten years in, still, you know, like I'm I'm cranking. So Very it cool. doesn't necessarily mean. Owning a business doesn't necessarily mean freedom of time. It gives you the possibility of freedom of time from the perspective of, I love what I do. Like, you're never going to find me becoming a crypto expert or like, I don't know, opening up a hotel or creating a fashion line. Like, I'm not going to do any of that stuff in my life. Like, this is what I like to do. It's advertising and marketing. Mm -hmm. So from the perspective of, I love doing what I'm doing, I do have that freedom of time. But also the other component of freedom of time is, you know, the option of to work or not to work. And, you know, to me, that's a, that's a lifestyle choice. So it's like, okay, am I, do I move things ahead? Do I accelerate things at a greater velocity and, and put my time into it? Or do I spend the next hour or two like playing with my child and hanging out with my wife? You know, like it's, it's those types of equations. Very cool. Very cool. Um, can you recall a moment that you felt incredibly proud of your achievements? Yeah. Um, I have a photo on my wall here. It's the 2006 media plan of the year awards with awesome. my boss and, uh, a young lady who then, you know, she's still young, but then she was very new to the business and now she's, you know, some VP working on movies and I think she works on Legoland business and whatever. She's, she's really smart anyway. So we, all three of us, we won an award for the movie, when a stranger calls, uh, the best advertising plan or, or media plan, uh, for 2006 and we won best in show. And it was the first time I got to go to New York and, uh, I have that photo on my wall right here and it's, uh, I was very proud of my work and it gave me, um, my, my mom and my girlfriend at the time, both identify like both said to me they're like look you clearly love what you do and you're good at it you should take note of that and i was like wow that's um that's incredible it, it felt like such a such a great op great moment for me that's awesome and more fuel for the fire right that's right that's beautiful man and uh can i ask um what skills do you think uh would be most important for achieving success both in your own journey and just in general Absolutely. I think, I think the number one, the number one thing that sets the, sets the stage for everything else is going to be mindset followed. And so mindset is a general thing. And then there's kind of like components and I'll, I'll speak to that. Mindset to me is like, there's this thing like I, I, and it's not just me. Like I, I've talked to other people about this and they, they've agreed that, that, you know, mindset, depending on the context of it, sounds a little woo-woo, like a little like, you know, pie in the sky, things that people just say, and it's it sounds kind of like, you know, spacey. Um, but mindset has been a game changer for me. It's, it's the ability to, so, so it's mindset, dealing with life. How do you deal with life? It's not what happens to you, it's how you react to what happens. Exactly. And creating circumstances for opportunity for you to succeed, right? Opportunity is 
prepare what what do they they say preparedness plus luck equals opportunity right and so so mindset is the large thing underneath mindset in no particular order i think i have an above average level of stick-to-itiveness it's not a word making it a word but it's like you know uh getting things done dealing with the 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 downsides um being able to handle the rejection of things that are not going your way and being motivated enough to deal with it and to to rise to deal with the the, the problems that arise and and succeed in spite of the problems you have um i would then say having practical knowledge of something is going to be important, especially if you want to be an entrepreneur, but really in, in any field, whether it's a white collar field or a blue collar field, the more, the more of an expert you are in something, the better opportunity you have, but that doesn't make you, that doesn't mean you'll be a good business owner. It means you have the potential of being a good business owner or the potential for being successful, right? Like I can't start an advertising business if I don't understand advertising. And in fact, when I graduated from school, my a friend of mine was like, I'm going to be an entrepreneur. And I was like, okay, great. And I told my mom, I want to be an entrepreneur too. And she's like, you don't know anything. <laughs> I just, I literally just graduated with a college degree. She's like, you don't know anything. I'm like, okay, cool. Leave, leave it to mom to uh, keep things real. <laughs> but, that's funny. Well, that's part of what an entrepreneur does is they create things out of nothing. You know, That's right. That's the that's, beauty that's of it. point. That's a good point. She's like, no, you're going to go to work because you don't know anything. I'm like, all right, cool. So I went to work for a decade in advertising. So, you know, being able to be successful, whether you own a business or you're uh, successful as part of groups, mindset, stick-to-itiveness, becoming an expert in something, being able to deal with people. Like the reason I have a business today is because people know me, they like me, and they trust me in my little sphere of influence here. Mm -hmm. Um, you, if you don't like people, then it's going to be hard for, for any individual in any environment to be successful, not impossible, just more difficult. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'll stop there, but I mean, there's probably a few others that I'm not thinking of right now, but these are, these are going to be important things that need to be refined. And then the last thing is figure out, double down on the things you're good at and outsource the rest. Yeah, Totally get some level of quality on the things you're bad at, like, like, you know, accounting, for example, like I'm, you know, I'm not an accountant. That's not, that's not my area of expertise. I understand a little bit about it enough to be dangerous, but like, you know, I have an accountant doing accounting work. Like I'm never get like, I'm not going to try to become more effective at accounting, but I'm going to triple down on is the complimentary marketing work that I do, right? The marketing stuff that I'm learning, you know, there, you know, when you think about like marketing and advertising, there's, we do advertising, we do paid media. Our job is to get ads in front of people to buy stuff, but there's also search engine optimization and content creation, which is, which are not services that we offer. But, you know, one of the things that I tell people who are thinking about their lives and where they want to go is to, to do work and invest your time into things that have complementary value to you. So for example, for me, you know, I'm going on this search engine optimization journey where I'm creating content, I'm writing web pages, I'm, I'm learning the practice of SEO for my business. I'm not going to offer SEO to our clients, but there's a, there's dual benefit 
I get the SEO benefit from, from for our business. And I also can talk more intelligently about search engine optimization tactics to our clients. So try to try to orient your time into something that is has double or triple benefit for you, not just a singular benefit. Very cool. Very cool. And you make this all sound so easy. Um, was there ever uh, a challenge? And, and can you recall like a big challenge that you had in your journey and how you overcame it? Yeah. Um, there was a moment in our business where there were a confluence of issues. We had grown, but we'd grown too fast. Problem number one. <laughs> Problem number two, I didn't recognize how many people we actually needed to operate the business. That's number two. And as a result of number two, we hired, we didn't hire fast enough. And the reason we, and the implication of not hiring fast enough is you know, it takes time for people to get up to speed on how your business works and what you want them to do. Oh, and by the way, the biggest one of all that equation is now that we had people in the house that we needed to, you know, in the business who needed to do the work, there was absolutely zero standard operating procedure, which sounds easy to fix, but you first have to figure out what the problem that there, you first have to figure out number one, there's a problem and number two, how to fix the problem. It took us six months to figure out what the problem was <laughs> and then three months to figure out it took six months to, to really identify that there was a problem. Mm. And then three months to figure out what the problem is, like why are people quitting? Why why are there so many problems? Why are things not happening right? Mm -hmm. So three months to then solve the problem, to identify what the even solution is. And the solution was we didn't have a standard operating procedure. And another nine months to actually get someone on board, which was our first chief operating officer, who would... <laughs> like fix that and implement a standard operating procedure. Nice. So the solve, there's a few things I learned. Number one, I learned I need a full-on dedicated accounting person. Um, and we hired an accountant. We we got our we got our accounting team in place and in as as a result of that, learned that um I ha I have to look at the 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 velocity and the momentum of the business to ensure that we hire correctly. And number three, um, standard operating procedure unlocked dramatic opportunities for growth inside the business mm -hmm. because people understood what they needed to do. And as a result, they liked their job more. And as a result of that, they stayed with us longer. And now you have a, a virtuous cycle of improvement that um that doesn't have to happen by because of actions i take it has to happen it happens with people that are in the business and like the work that they're doing so it went from like a very big dip into a very high mountain of opportunity that was created off of that one moment very cool very and actually that um, leads me to my next question um can you recall a time when a failure actually led to an unexpected success? Yeah, absolutely. Unexpected success, you know, when we hired our chief operating officer, it was important for me to understand um, the value that they brought to our business. And the result of that is it unlocked big opportunity both for the business and for our household. 
uh, and when I say that is, you know, the, the relationship with my wife, right? Because when I'm stressed, she's stressed. And when I'm tense, she's tense and it, it strains the marriage. And as a result, having someone, a, a number two, a second in command, not only opened up opportunities for the business, it made me easier to deal with, easier to handle, just less stress because I, I had a, a high value individual next to me that I knew and trusted could do the job effectively. Very cool. Yeah, it makes a big difference. Um, how exciting. Yeah, scaling a business like that is really something. Um, and now this, uh, the next half an hour of the show, we want to dig into what you actually do and all that. And uh, towards the end, we're going to promote and uh, share, you know, how people can get in touch with you and do business with you. Can you tell us what you do for a living? Yeah, absolutely. So um, we're an advertising firm and specifically our job is to run ads to generate sales for businesses, to grow brands, mm -hmm. to ensure that the accountants on your team see a lot of money flowing in. Mm -hmm. um, we buy advertising space on all the major social and search platforms, on connected television, including Hulu and Roku, digital out of home, digital audio, including Pandora, Spotify, and podcasts. Mm -hmm. But the reason we're successful is really because everything we do starts with a strategy. And the strategy is your protection to ensure that you are making the most out of your advertising investment. And, and the, the biggest challenge here is that there's so many different people who offer advertising services and a lot of businesses don't know what to ask for when they work with an ad advertising partner. And, you know, they think about likes, comments, shares, engagement, clicks, and those are serve some purpose. But the real thing here is you need leads and sales. You need to grow your business. And that's what we know how to do really well. Very, very cool. And how long have you been doing this in total? Uh, so in the industry, 20 years, and as a... Uh, as the owner and CEO of my business for 10 years. Very cool, man. Very cool. I, I did web development and marketing and graphic design and things like that. Um, starting about 20 years ago as well, but, uh, was right. always on a much smaller scale. And, you know, uh, there was a part of me that always kind of dreamed of doing what you're doing to be honest, but I, I was a control freak, um, especially back then. And I didn't, I didn't have the capacity to trust anyone else. And, you know, it was uh, kind of a shame in a way because I could have actually grown something, but I ended up doing it all myself from prospecting and cold calling to the sales and writing the contracts and legal documents, collecting all the money, doing most of the work. And then I eventually I learned how to trust coders and people that would do things that were outside my lane. Like I'm not a really great coder, but I'm a great designer. I love graphic design and copy develop, you know, copywriting, content development, SEO, things like that. I really enjoy it, but it was always on such a smaller scale. I'm just kind of wondering, like, um, if you were, you know, this is going to be strange and it's about you, it's not about me, but like, I'm just kind of curious, um, if you were able to go back to 20 years ago, Todd, that was starting his marketing and web development business, what would you tell him to, yeah. uh, you know, help him understand, you know, the benefit of trusting others and scaling, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, look, notwithstanding 
the the dramatic technology shifts 20 years ago puts us at 2003 uh which which means uh it was about nelly Ludacris, jay-z and beyonce uh um, <laughs> i'm thinking about man that was a great year in college okay so totally here's what i would say no having the knowledge i have now about business but pairing it up with the uh, with the technological sort of like um and marketing moment of the time or capabilities of the time there was no social media uh, there was friendster it was very very early there was a lot of people posting in blogs and forums and creating a website was dramatically difficult um and you had to have really some really deep knowledge of coding and languages and you know coding languages etc so here's what i would say going back to that time i would say number one um have a dream the, the reason i've been able to scale my business is because i knew what i wanted to do mm-hmm. um in 2013 when i started the business i could have been a consultant i could have been a freelancer right what does a consultant do they do they they charge on an hourly basis and they try to upsell you on projects and they provide some value along the way what does a freelancer do a freelancer takes jobs on an hourly basis, it gets paid a much higher hourly, on a much higher hourly basis than you would as an employee. You don't get health benefits, and you can make more money hourly, but the work is um, un, uh, not guaranteed. What does a business owner do? A business owner tries to build a business, and the difference, the the distinction for me is having that idea of building a business and specifically building an agency allowed me to take advantage of opportunities that I saw that would help me build an agency. But if my mindset, if my vision, if my imagination were I'm a consultant or I'm a freelancer, the opportunities that I took would not have been seen as opportunities because they would not have aligned with my goal of continuing to be a freelancer or a a consultant. Mm-hmm. So have the vision for what you want to build. You know, I want to build a ten-person team, a twenty-person team, or I want to build uh, a business that earns you know X amount of dollars in revenue. Mm-hmm. And once you have that vision, once you have that end goal, you can easily work backwards. You can think backwards, and you can understand the actions you need to take. But actually, doing the actions is not not easy. That's that's the hard part. But you can have an understanding. Well, I I know I need, and this is the exact journey that I took. Well, I know I need clients. Okay, but how do I get clients? Well, I need to say things to them that will inspire and motivate them to give me money <laughs> for my startup choices. I understand. Like, like very basic, right? But I'm like, oh man, I'm not a salesperson. I don't know how to talk in a way that gives me that gives that puts money in my hands. Like I knew advertising, but I didn't know how to sell. Like, oh man. So I spent like, you know, the, the very first, just as an aside, the very first time I realized I was going to start this business, I chickened out. I took a job. <laughs> I took a job for like a year and two months. And then I really focused on the business. So I started in 2013, but really 2015 is when I really, because I couldn't, I couldn't, it, I couldn't let it go. I had to do this. So anyway, and from 2015 to 2017, it was a lot of, clawing for business and not having the right ability to talk 
to people that would get them to buy from me. Mm-hmm. And the result of that is this cost, right? Because now, now you're in a path to solve the problem. The, 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 where I am today in that moment was I need to build a business and I know I need to sell. So then the question is, how do I sell? Well, I just need to talk a lot. And by talking a lot to different people in different circumstances with different levels of knowledge about marketing and advertising, I'm going to get a feedback loop of where I see people's eyes gloss over and where, when they're interested and what I need to say, the words I need to use and the order of the words I need to use that really gets people to want to spend money with me. Mm-hmm. So the first, f- to answer your question, first have an imagination of what you want to accomplish. I don't care if you actually accomplish it, but just have a vision. Mm-hmm. And then work towards achieving that vision step by step. And then, you know, at every step, you're going to be presented with 10 other options that are going to be challenges, right? The chal- mm-hmm. the first challenge is how do I sell? Then you figure out how to sell and then you realize, okay, now I need to fulfill and I can't fulfill when I'm selling. So I have to stop selling to fulfill. Now I can't grow. And so by, by handling these challenges as your business grows, you then have opportunities to grow your business and make decisions that further your goal of growing a business. That, like those are the first like three steps. And then there's like a hundred more steps along the way. And at every step, no, no. at every step, there's a risk, you know, it's a risk to spend money. And the first time I hired a, a part-timer or a full-timer, um, both of them were risky. I was like, man, I'm, I'm taking money out of the money that my family could have in order to hire a person. And again, this is me as a, as an employee, like I was still shifting from the employee mindset to the business owner mindset and the risk, the, the, the being able to accept that the, the, the risk that I was getting myself into. Mm -hmm. So it's like your risk reward balance, right? Yeah. It's scary. And now, you know, it's still risky. Now I'm just thinking about tens of employees, not one employee, and I'm carrying more debt which is risky, but that's okay because I know I have the money to cover it. But having hundreds of thousands of dollars or millions of dollars in debt at any given moment would have been unfathomable to me in 2013 because $10,000 of debt felt like I was about to, you know, lose everything. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So have the imagination and let the, let the, road get paved for you as you move forward. That's the biggest sort of general macro thing I can tell you. And I tell er that I can tell that uh, the advice is still good today. And then you've got to accept that people are going to, are not going to do the work that you're going to do as well. They're just not. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. They'll be better at other things. I mean, my, the people who work for me are incredible. They're really smart. They're really talented. I'm good at a certain set of things. They're good at other things. And some things I do better than them and then some things they do better than me. And that's good. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. A solid team is, is awesome. How many people are on your team? If you don't mind me asking. Uh, we're a 20 person team. Right on. Very cool. Very cool. Is there anything that you would change about any of those things? If you could. You know, magic, you know, snap your fingers. Well, I don't like doing that. Cool. I wouldn't change. Cool. The only thing I would change, um, 
but then I would, I would, uh, you know, I, I'm really into time travel, and I and I'd hate to think about the reper, the, the possible negative repercussions. Mm. I wouldn't change anything because we have a beautiful five year old boy, and uh, I know from movies like The Time Traveler's Wife, and um, <laughs> there's another movie I can't remember right now. Um, you, you change one thing at one moment, and you have a completely different child. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know what. I- I don't want that. So, I, I, so right now, I would say I literally wouldn't change anything. The only thing I would change is I would have uh, gotten married to my wife earlier. Oh, uh, right on, brother. That's awesome. How long have you been married? Uh oh, boy. So I won't tell her if you can't remember the anniversary date. Well, I'll be like, I knew the anniversary date. Seven, right. seven, one, seventeen. I just can't do the math. Is that six years? Yeah, that's six. Years. No worries. That's yeah. beautiful. And uh, this is kind of off the beaten path, but how did you meet? Uh, match match.com really yeah oh man yeah yeah i met a girlfriend once doing that um it was part of how i got into web development actually um that's me and and can i tell a short story yeah please and we'll go a few minutes over it's no problem if it's all right with you yeah um but yeah man i was working at this place it was so crazy how it worked out but um back in the day there used to be these things called party lines and you know totally you remember. lava lines dude and now it's like uh, i think there's something called live links but it's really gross and disgusting it's like the gunner of society you know it's terrible but it wasn't like that back in the day and so i used to meet girls like that and yeah i would call these party lines in san diego where i used to live and one day uh, this will entertain the hell out of you. I think well, this is how I start. Got maybe it's why I never grew, but like I got on this party line and there was this one woman and we really connected and ended up going and meeting at the beach and, you know, smoked a doobie sitting on the beach and talking. And then we ended up, you know, connecting on a deeper, more intimate level. And then after dating for a few months, she's like, Hey, there's, um, a job available at my company and uh, the company at the time was called uh, future phone and they did audio text services so that she was actually the administrator of the party line it was a party line through that company so she was monitoring it and heard my voice and just liked me and so somehow or another i connected and then down the road she's like hey do you you want or need a job and i'm like yes i do and so they brought me into this company and there really wasn't a lot to do. The, the owner of the company was very aloof and very rich and, you know, he didn't really care um, for some reason or another. So there really wasn't a lot for me to do. And so I had to figure it out. And, and I found out that, you know, uh, part of their business was they provided all the technology for phone sex and uh, gambling, psychic hotlines, all that kind of stuff. They were a telephony company. And wow. So, you know, um, I found out that they were losing. They had like fifty or sixty thousand dollars in chargebacks for their phone sex lines, and um, yeah, yeah. So I'm like, that's the task I want. And so I got into my skip tracing uniform, and uh, I know how to find people and you know motivate them to do what I'd like them to do. And so I ended up taking on that chore. I'm like, hey, let me get some of that money back and uh, let me start chasing those dollars. And so I did. And it worked out to a certain degree, but then something happened. And and Match.com is what made me think to tell you this because that's coming here in a moment. But the the, uh, owner of the company, this was back before Match.com was really hot, but it was 
definitely on its way. I think it was before AOL dating, but um, the owner said, hey, I want you to come up with an idea for a dating website and I want you to create a dating website. None of us knew anything about websites, how they worked or anything. I was fascinated by the idea that graphics could appear on the screen and I was kind of stupid about it, I had no idea. And so he did, I created something called Meet Me USA and uh, created a very rich and interesting profile algorithm with a lot of unusual questions, but really good for matching and different things like that. And part of the job was, um, my boss gave me his credit card and said, I want you to sign up for every dating website there is, put a profile on there, figure out how it works and make us something better. And wow. so that's what I did. And um, I went to, um, to match.com was one of the things and it was the craziest thing man. I wished it was like this today because it, it is not like this today. Um, but I went on match.com, got a profile together and I kid you not, it was the craziest thing within 15 minutes this girl named Rachel messaged me and we ended up talking at the time I was losing my uncle. My mm -hmm. uncle was dying in the hospital. And, um, so I was kind of going through some stuff and this is back when there was no cell phones or anything. So you had to call a landline if you wanted to get someone. And so Rachel and I got to know each other a little bit through the phone and a couple weeks of dating. And next thing you know, like I think a month or two after we started really getting into our relationship, I invited her to move into my house. And wow. so we, we were together and it was great. But um, the, the punchline is that um, the uh, web development process that I was engaged in for Meet Me USA, we hired these guys to do a website and code it and everything because we had no idea. And they actually did a really good job. It was super cool, man. And like what they did looked amazing. But we uh, were looking for a million dollars of venture capital money. This is back when they were throwing money around like it was rice at a wedding. <laughs> it was crazy. And so we had these guys come to our office and uh, the, the web developers showed up and we were to present the website and its functionality to these people to try to get the money and develop a real business out of it. And man, whew, the website failed, dude. They, they did something wrong with the code. I don't know what it was, but it didn't work right. And these guys laughed us out of the room and, and said, you know, come back when you grow some hair on your chest. And, um, you know, that was the end of that. And I was so upset because, like, my boss basically gave up on it at that moment. My budget went from, like, $50,000 for the website to, I think he gave me $1,500 to work with. And so I had to find a web developer that would build me a very simple data-driven website that would uh, host and, and, and show profiles and things like that. I managed to find the person and everything, but, um, you know, it was nothing compared to what it was. These other guys created something so much better. It's just that it was broken and these other people with the money didn't have the patience to give us a chance to fix it. And uh, so I was just so upset, man. And uh, I had to know, you know, it's like there was a burning desire within me to find out what in the hell went wrong. And... I need to know how this stuff works. And so I went home and got a copy of Photoshop. I got Dreamweaver, or actually it was Adobe, um, whatever the Adobe version of Photoshop was, that, that was the first one I used. And then it was uh, Dreamweaver and, and Cold Fusion. And man, it's like I taught myself how websites work and to do graphics. And I just started playing around with it. And long story short, you know, that's how I started, you know, my career. I, I ended up supporting myself for 15 years doing website development and I never went to school or anything like that. And uh, it was all because of this failure in my 
in my path, you know, that happened, but it turned out to really be a blessing in disguise. And for me, my grandmother was alone. My grandfather died and um, I needed a way to be around her and care for her and, and go whenever she wanted and be able to talk to her on the phone every day. And so I started a business doing web development and marketing. And man, back in those days, it was so easy to get clients. All I needed to do was mention that I was a web developer. And it's like, oh, really? Hey, can I get your card? Um, can, you know, I need a website. And it was like, no problem. I can do that. But that's how my journey started. And um uh, you know, I never had the vision that you did, quite honestly. I just wanted to get by and, you know, I never really thought about developing a really big business and I was probably too immature to do it, honestly, at the time in my life as well, Yeah. Um, to be really frank with you. Um, but yeah, man, it's weird how it works and, and just, you know, over these many years and I did it for a long time and then I dropped out for a while. Some things happened in my life that kind of took me off track and I couldn't really function the way that I was before. So my business stopped and, you know, I went looking for a job and this and that. And now I just do it for fun. Like I've, of course, built my own website for this podcast and I'm involved in another podcast and I built a few websites for different people that I've met, a couple small clients, but you know, it's more for fun. It's like, I really enjoy it. You know, it's a lot of fun. I understand what you're coming from when you talk about SEO and content development. I really get off on that stuff. There's something really special. And for whatever the reason, God has given me a gift of uh, being able to solve problems that other people, you know, can't solve. And, you know, that was always my strong suit. So I could come into a situation and there'd be a room full of people that are trying to solve some type of issue. And, you know, I'll hear what they have to say and kind of ask some questions and this and that. And then next thing you know, hey, have you thought of this? And no, we haven't. And sure enough, that was the solution. And so, you know, it just kind of worked and I felt like I was in my destiny, you know, it really felt natural and, you know, all that. So uh, as the world grew and everything, it just kind of threw all that off track. <laughs> yeah, you know, there's there's still, you know, I, I'm, I'm a firm believer that everyone has their has their moment. You know, some people peak in high school, some people peak in their 20s, 30s. You know, like the owner of uh, Grey Goose, mm -hmm. I mean, he created that like in the 60s or 70s. So like, you know, we all have our moments and there is no reason to think that your moment, your, your moment could easily be ahead of you. That's right. That's right. Well, I feel like I'm 52 on Saturday and, uh, Wow. It, it, I don't know, man, maybe this is normal, but like, I still feel like I'm 30 and like uh, my body's like, no, dude, no, no, you're 52. A hundred percent. That is definitely, I can relate to that. <laughs> and uh, just out of curiosity, um, and I apologize for the tangent, but I just, you, you triggered a, a thought and, um, you know, I just wanted to share it cause that's part of the fun, but um, have you, um, uh, let's ask something unusual. Uh, what role does empathy play in your professional life in terms of what you do, just having a sense of empathy for others? It's a, it's, it's a big part of it. And, you know, going back to that conversation of knowing, knowing myself, I really had to focus on becoming a better, more empathetic human being. And I, I don't think I'll ever be as good at it as other people are, but, um, I'm definitely thinking about that and becoming better at it. And, um, you know, we've hired, you know, our, our chief, our current chief operating officer is a big part of the like empathy and 
culture and soul part of the equation for our business. Right. Um, she does that really well. Very, very cool. Very cool. And um, kind of getting to the wrap-up point, and then we're going to talk a bit more about the services and solutions that you provide so people can have the benefit of reaching out and connecting with you to help them grow their business. If you could pick just one thing, what would you say would be the most crucial quality of a solid leader? Oof. Most crucial quality of a solid leader. Yeah, what do you think makes you gotta, a leader? You gotta you gotta inspire and motivate people. You gotta be able to enroll people in the vision that you have. That's it. I don't know how you do that. There's different there's thousands probably of different ways to do that, but you've got to be able to accomplish that. And when you can accomplish getting people to be part of your mission, uh, then uh, you're in a good you're in a good spot. Absolutely. And along those lines, um, you know, this does happen, especially when you're selling and whatnot. Um, how do you react when your ideas are challenged and how do you convince other people to see your point of view? Um, I don't. <laughs> I don't I don't convince other people to see my point of view. I want to work with people who already have my point of view and I can just sell them stuff. <laughs> uh that's that's a big part of it. Uh in terms of yeah, I mean, like, you know, if, if you if you don't believe in advertising and marketing, then I, I'm not here to convince you. Like, I understand. Well, I guess what I'm thinking about, like, for example, I've had clients that have challenged me before in ways that were kind of ridiculous. I remember this one guy, um, he was doing something very corporate and, um, you know, it should be very professional and all that. It had something to do with the government. I forget the details, but... He, uh, he called me up one morning. We were doing his logo at the time and, and starting to develop his website. And we had a really solid vision for what needed to happen. And I'm pretty good at, at pulling out, you know, first drafts that never get challenged. Like, I think I've only had to do a first draft again, like twice in my whole career. So I've always been good at hitting the mark from the get-go. And this particular guy, he calls me up one morning. I'll never forget, you know, and it was really crazy. He said, I had a dream last night and... In that dream, I saw my logo looking like, um, you know, uh, you know, the show Batman from the old days, right? Like not the new Batman, but the old Batman. He goes, I want my logo to look like those, those pows and the bams when they fight, you know, and, and those, he had this weird concept of like what it should be, which was completely inappropriate and not at all what should be representing his business. And I remember that was um, actually the beginning of the end of our relationship, and I ended up hiring him as a client. But you know, that's kind of what I was thinking about. Where you know, you know that you're being hired to solve a problem, and in doing so, you know, to have somebody come up and say, "No, no, no," uh, I talked to my uh, cousin's boyfriend's high school friend, and uh, they know how to use Photoshop, and they told me this. And I'm like, "Well, I've been doing this for five years or whatever, and I think it should be this way," you know. And so it's just kind of weird and maybe it's not the same for you as it was for me but there always seems to be things that kind of come up that are like you know maybe you should just wait and let me show you the outcome instead of you know fighting about it now <laughs> yeah you know client services are always a give and take and um you know i i definitely believe in the idea of you know partnership there's a, a collaboration and and a sharing of ideas and um I think it's important for all sides to be heard and 
um, people making decisions about where they want to go with a business. And if it doesn't align, it doesn't align. And that's perfectly fair too. Very cool. That's good. It's a good attitude you have about it. And so let's get to the meat of this. Um, this is always the fun part for me. And I'd like to save it till the end. Uh, what's the name of your company? Uh, Brill Media. Just my last name, B-R-I-L-L Media. And tell me a little bit about the specialties that you engage in. You mentioned things uh, relevant to website development and different things, advertising, um, but not uh, SEO, only for yourself. What uh, areas do you serve specifically? Yeah, so when a, when, a, when a business needs to grow and they need direct, predictable growth, advertising is the best way to accomplish that. Yep. Um, you can scale the business. You can have a predictable sense of what you're going to get as you spend more money in your advertising. And um, it's really important to work with a partner who understands the marketplace. And and we do. And, you know, we buy ads on search, social, and across any sort of digital environment, including like Hulu and Roku and other streaming platforms. Super cool. And is it all pay-per-click or pay-as-you-go, or is there any organic advertising in that process? Uh, there's there's no organic in there. I mean, we create the content, so you'll get ads, but really by definition, it's you, you've got to, you're paying to reach an audience on in, envir- in, in social or search or digital environments. Very cool. And do you have certain types of industries that you specialize in or prefer to work with? You know, um, we do a lot in health, entertainment, gaming. Um, we do some small business work, local businesses, uh, consumer packaged goods. We're really um, versatile. Um, and, and we've gotten that way because um, our clients a lot of times are other agencies and they white label us. So they have a brand relationship. They do the creative work or the strategy work and they need us to run the ads. That's so cool. Yeah, that's the way it goes. I I love white label relationships. Those are some of my favorites. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. And um, of your current clients, um, just out of curiosity, are there any that kind of stand out as being especially productive or um, satisfying to you as a business owner? Yeah, I think the most, so I can't disclose exactly who our clients are. um, Okay. But I think the ones that are most interesting are the ones that give us feedback, mm-hmm. you know, like, you know, there's some small businesses that we work with and, and they're just constantly telling us that, you know, we're making an actual foundational difference in the revenue they're bringing in. Mm-hmm. That's really exciting because I know it, it, it's very meaningful to a small group of individuals. Mm-hmm. Um, and it creates that freedom that we were talking about. Um, with regards to then, then on the other end of the spectrum, we have campaigns where we're selling tickets to like Cardi B and Hugh Jackman and Kiss and Adele, man, we're killing it on those campaigns. I mean, just 60 times ROAS, right? You put a dollar in, you get $60 back. Oh, it's just like incredible, incredible advertising and it, it works really well. And we're very proud of that work. That is awesome. Very, very cool. And is there anything that might uh, come to mind that we could have missed today? Anything in your mind or your heart that uh, might be worth mentioning? Something that we didn't touch upon? Yeah, no. I think I think in general, the, the reason I'm doing this business, I'm, I'm working in the field that I'm working in, is because I want to help people create 
freedom for themselves, freedom of time, freedom of money, freedom of decisions, freedom, just the ability to live your life on your terms. And, and having a business, growing your business, using advertising to grow that business is a direct path to achieving that freedom. From there, it's uh, you know up to you what you do with it. Absolutely, it is. And um, when someone comes to hire you or engage in a dialogue about their business, what happens? What can they expect? Yeah. Um, if you, if someone goes to our website, it's brillmedia.co, and you can there's a contact form with us, a contact form at the top. Uh, share your information. You can schedule a strategy conversation uh, with me, and we'll we'll talk about how we can grow your business. Super cool, man. And uh, just out of curiosity, what does the future hold for you? Uh, growth. Um, you know, we're we're really scaling up this uh, small business solution that we have, where it's um, minimum advertising spend of fifteen hundred dollars a month, and uh, to work with us. And when you do that, you know, we're going to work to ensure you your your business is effective and and grow. So we're really doubling down on small and mid sized businesses, um, while still keeping our core large advertisers happy. We just, we want to create that freedom for anyone who wants it. Absolutely. And I know that there's a zillion million billion advertisers out there. What sets you apart in the industry? What makes you unique? Uh, experience. Number one, you just, you, you can't beat experience. Anyone That's can right. uh, get a course or do a certificate, but we have the actual working experience. That's number one. Um, number two, we have the strategy, like we're not just doing things. We're doing things with with a with a reason in mind. And then number three, um, you know, we have access to tools and and methods that a lot of agencies don't have access to. Like the ability to run in local news and sports sites is available with a you know with the click of a switch for us. But for a lot of businesses, they're really they only do ads on like Facebook or Google, and that limits your ability to perform. Absolutely. And it comes down to demographics with advertising. They need a target audience and all that. How do you, if a client comes to you and doesn't have an idea of who their target audience is, how do you handle that? Um, well, we ask them a series of questions and we can also do some creative testing to understand um, what the marketplace wants for them. And that's a really great way to identify your all-star ad creative and make things perform and, and really drive insights for the business. Mm-hmm. Very good. Very good. Um, let's see. Uh, if you could, um, hmm, if you could change just one thing in your business right now, like with a flip of a switch, would there be anything and what would it be? No, I don't change anything. I love it. Very cool. Very cool. Very cool. That's wonderful, man. Awesome. Is there anything else that we missed, Robert? No. Thank you, Todd. I really appreciate it. Hey, my pleasure, man. Robert Brill. And if you want to reach out to him, brillmedia.co, B-R-I-L-L media.co. And I'm assuming you're all over social media as well, right? All over. Robert Brill, Brill Media, you'll find me. Love it. I really appreciate you being on the show today, Robert. And I just want to thank you for sharing so candidly. And I hope people listening will take advantage of the opportunity to reach out with you and develop some predictable, uh, actionable strategies and, you know, um, some data-driven insights that you'll have and um, experience the results that you can generate for them. 
Awesome. Thank you, Todd. Appreciate it. It's my pleasure. Have a wonderful day, Robert. Okay. You too. Bye, Todd. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to the Toddcast Show. If you found today's episode helpful and meaningful, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out on what's next. Remember that the Toddcast Show is all about community and connection. So follow the podcast on your preferred social platform to keep updated on everything I've got in store. Also check out ToddCastShow.com to find out more and stay connected with me, Todd Mira. Be sure to tell your friends and family about the Toddcast Show so the podcast family can continue to grow and share on an international level. See you over on the next episode. Hi, I'm Todd Mira, host of the Toddcast Show, and I want to share something personal with you today. Throughout my own life, I've struggled with issues I didn't even realize I had. Things like depression, past trauma, PTSD, and feeling disconnected from the people I loved the most. It took me hitting rock bottom to realize I couldn't fix myself alone. I needed help to unravel the tangled knots within my life, find myself again, and become stronger in the areas I was weakest. It wasn't an overnight transformation, but with time, I learned to change my thinking, my attitudes, and my entire paradigm for the better. I learned that it's good to ask for help, and that's why I want to tell you about our sponsor, BetterHelp. Thank you to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode of the Toddcast Show. BetterHelp is the world's largest therapy service, and the best part, it's 100% online. You can participate from anywhere, anytime that works for you. It's simple to get started. Simply answer a few questions about your specific needs and personal preferences in therapy, and BetterHelp will match you with the perfect therapist from their network. It's really that easy. You can message your therapist anytime you need support and schedule a live session when it's convenient for you. BetterHelp is committed to ensuring that you find the perfect match to guide you along your journey to well-being. As someone who went through therapy and came out way ahead of where I started, I want to invite you to take this step to a healthier, happier you today. My life was transformed through therapy, and yours can be too. With BetterHelp, you get the same professionalism and quality you'd expect from in-office therapy, but with a therapist who is hand-picked for you, all at a shockingly affordable price. And as a special offer for our listeners, you'll get 10% off your first month by using the special link, betterhelp.com forward slash Toddcast. That's betterhelp.com forward slash Toddcast. You don't have to face life's challenges alone. BetterHelp is here to support you through the big and small issues of your life in a way that can really make a huge difference, both short and long term. Take the first step towards a healthier, happier you. Visit betterhelp.com forward slash Toddcast to get started today.